Well, well, well. Happy Good Friday, if that's such a thing. But um, we want to <laughs> welcome you to Christian Warrior Woman. And today I have with me um, my favorite guests, and you guys have heard them before. And that's um, Fran Mora, and you've also heard from Leanne with Zygmunt before when we talked about women. And the three of us are always excited to talk about the power of women in the Bible. Welcome, ladies. Welcome. Thanks for having us again. Yeah, no problem. We love having conversations about women in the Bible. There's always so much talk about men in the Bible, in church, everywhere. And the focus on the power of women is, is a little diminished. So I love that the three of us like to exalt and know that women today have power and that God from the very beginning had a plan and a purpose for women and the value they add to the world. Amen. <laughs> I'm sure we all agree. So I want to share with the audience today, it is Good Friday, it's Resurrection Weekend, and we're excited because because of what Jesus did, not actually this exact day, but because of what he did, it made us become part of his family. It, it gives us eternal life. And he made the ultimate sacrifices for all of our flaws and problems. And so we want to talk about today the women that were part of the plan for Christ. There were women before Christ were born that God used to bring forth his son. And there were women who were used, including all of us on listening right now, they were key women that even after the resurrection that God um, gave instruction to, gave motivation to. So I just want everyone listening to join in with our celebration of this weekend, but also the celebration of the power of a woman's faith, her courage, tenacity, patience. Those are all things from the beginning of time with a little couple of flaws thrown in there um, that God had a plan and purpose. So we're gonna set it up to talk about the women before Christ was born and, and Leanne and Fran both know that we have not discussed with each other what we're going to share today because you know what we all have the Lord in our heart and I know these ladies will will bring a word that God wants to enrich each of us today so we're going to have our open dialogue let things flow we don't edit nothing we just let the the Holy Spirit share what, what, what needs to be shared for each of you today. So I hope you all are excited and really hope this conversation just touches your soul. I would ask you to go to a, your secret hidden place or a place where you can really just hear, receive, and absorb. Many of us, because of COVID, may not be able to go to our normal church service or fellowship with individuals as we normally do. But I want us through this podcast to feel that we are one together, believing and hopeful and knowing that we are safe in the bosom of the Lord. So join us and please comment and send us your comments and let us know how um, each of us may have added value or touched your heart today through the Lord. Amen. 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 So. I'm going to let Miss um, Fran start first with her before, and then we'll work our way down. <laughs> okay, well, um, Lisa, I picked um, a, the woman that for before his, his death and his resurrection um, and that gets a lot of flavor because of her anointing him with oil, and of course, that's Mary Magdalene, and um but not from that perspective. Uh, everybody has heard that story of her going in and, and anointing him with oil. And there's, you know, most people interpret that as her 
um, you know, anointing him before his death, knowing that his death was coming because he was telling them that his death was coming. And, um, but the thing that, that really strikes me, uh, about Mary is, and when you're talking about empowerment of women and, and Jesus empowering women, God empowering women is that, um, yes, she was preparing him for burial. And, um, and I think that was actually a very prophetic action, uh, as well as just a practical action for her. And, um, and then the other thing, though, that people don't talk about that really impresses me about her is that that was such a visible public act of adoration and complete surrender. So here we have our Savior um, getting ready to go into his death experience, taking on the sins of the world and all the horror that that's going to embody. And she has the presence of mind to go into a room of men and anoint him with oil. Uh, that was completely taboo in that sect of, of society with those people. She was not invited. She was not welcome. And here she boldly went in to anoint her coming savior. And if you just take it for that moment, her friend, a man that she just loved, loved, loved. And, and we know that that's because her deliverance was incredible. Uh, scripture tells us that they cast seven demons out of her. And from the point of that healing onward, she joined the ministry of Jesus in and followed him everywhere and actually supported him. She was one of several women that went around and, and fit, you know, financially and service wise supported Jesus and the, and the disciples. So um, I think what I love about her is that she just embodied the spirit of how women should not be afraid to show affection to Jesus, whether it's a cultural thing that people are telling they shouldn't, whether you're in a church situation where women are not called to minister to men, they can only minister to other women. There's all these barriers and, and barricades. And she just busted right on in there, man. She just was like, Hey, I am, this is my Jesus and I will show him this affection. And uh, what I love about that is she chases after him. She heard that he was going to be at this house and she decides then I'm going to be there too. And oh, wait, let me grab this extremely expensive oil and just lavish him, just lavish him in front of these men. And we know that Jesus's reaction is, Hey, leave her alone. When they criticize her, he pretty much says, you don't have any part in criticizing her. He 100% endorses her affectionate behavior on him. And um, I, what I love about it is, again, he's getting ready to go to the cross. And she has the, um, the presence of mind to show Jesus that she gets it. She gets what he's been trying to teach everyone for three years that it's all about relationship and that jesus and your relationship with jesus is above rules it's above cultural standards um and she is letting him know hey guess what we do get it we understand why you're here we understand why you're dying and we understand what you want from us afterwards hmm, it's interesting friend it's funny when you were talking about her and the boldness, something that came to mind um, that we sometimes, I think, as women forget, you know, it makes me wonder with Mary, she already was against the grain because of reputation and prior occupation. So she already had thrown away caring about what man would think of her. And when you were talking, it just made me think that her prior lifestyle although we don't agree with it, may have given her a boldness around men or a comfortableness around men that now that she had been changed, that she really understood that I don't have to fit in. And it kind of gave her, she already had some edge to her anyway because of her prior life that I really was just seeing that gave her an edge on how to see 
Christ, you know, when everyone bullies or mistreats you and you finally see the light on your value and your worth, you're not going to be robbed of that again. And when you were talking about it, it just made me see that all of the pain of her past gave her that strength to be who she needed to be in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too, Lisa. She just, um, and for Jesus to just not take any flack from these people right? and right beside her and say, this lady gets it. Leave her alone. Do not bother her. She's doing for me what right. say this, but what you guys should be doing for me. And he was saying, especially saying it to men, like, "Hey, y'all, y'all don't really, y'all ain't really the sharpest and brightest ones." The the other thing that I heard a message once, and it was really emotional with the way that the person spoke it. It talked about that oil because it was only in a matter of days that and how strong that fragrance was that when Jesus was on the cross and every lash that he felt that that fragrance from her was how he it was the way the message was skewed is what he remembered that that we'll know what that importance was because that smell of what she put on him was something that he continued to smell through all of the, the misery and the torture of what he went through. And I thought that was so like, wow, when we talk about why we talk about her, we may not know till we get to heaven if that is true, but it was such a thought of thinking of, when I think of myself and I think of how I wanna calm myself and I'll have my candles or I'll have plugins to bring a calm or to, you know, take me out of something stressful and make me just feel like I'm being refreshed. And so it did help me think about how that fragrance helped him endure in that moment, thinking of the fragrance was, this is my purpose. Yeah, the fragrance angle is, Leanne and I have talked about this before, and she also heard a similar message. And what I love about that is, is fragrance especially pure oils, essential oils like she was using, mm -hmm. open the mind up. They open the mind up. They release chemicals in the brain for relaxation. So mm -hmm. it's just, she was in, you know, getting him ready for a burial. But as you say, during that horrific ordeal, she actually was ministering to him medically to help mm -hmm. him ease the pain, relax his body and his mind and, and just be in an elevated state of consciousness through all of that to keep him focused yeah and so i mean even for us as women we have stressful days and stressful moments and you know we talk about our quiet space but what does that quiet space encompass and if you've never tried essential oils whoever's listening you may want hey if you've got small children a job a husband and and stress you need to find that time daily to just where can I go and feel that peace come over me? Um, obviously, I'm not talking about anybody being beaten, tortured, but you know, we need to find that place every day to center ourselves on our purpose and our goals. Yeah, I agree. Um, and speaking of boldly anointing Jesus, the baby, <laughs> let me just segue into this. Um, my person that I'm going to talk about is the prophetess Anna, and her story is found in Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. So she only gets two verses, um, but she's it just everything about her story is just really fascinating. So just a quick history. You know, baby Jesus is 40 days old. Mary and Joseph take him into the temple. So he, they're coming to get the blessing. It's the end of her purification time. So they come into the temple with their baby. And then this is where Simeon gives the prophetic word to Mary, um, basically forecasting the crucifixion of Jesus. So while he is holding the baby and blessing the baby and giving a prophetic word to his parents, in comes Anna, who just bolts very bold <laughs> to the temple um, while Simeon is holding the baby. And what I love about this is how the Bible calls Anna the prophetess. They don't call Simeon the prophet. So I think that's just so cool that they, you know, we don't yeah. hear her prophesy, but they said the Bible says she bursts forth with praise over baby Jesus. 
and there's just this excitement in the air. There's just this um, glad heart. And then we, we come to know that she's a widow and she's actually been living inside of the temple for 80 years, 80 plus years. Um, so it's just a very interesting picture of a woman who has literally spent her entire life worshiping, praying, fasting. They said she was day and night prayer. She lives there. Um, so she's very familiar with the temple. So I think it just gives us a good picture of kind of the Old Testament pre-resurrected Jesus um, idea of worship. So she kind of symbolizes the church before Jesus dies. You know, she's living this life of devoted worship. She has an attitude of praise just based on her environment. You know, I think it's just the fruit of what unrelenting prayer does in our life, you know, when we're never outside of God's presence. And I just think we see this beautiful picture of what it looked like for women in the Old Testament to be awaiting the Messiah, just how special mm -hmm. the time that was, how seriously she took it. I mean, she literally devoted her whole life. And, and, and just the beauty of waiting. I mean, that's really not anyone's favorite season. But I think, you know, when you wait and you're, you have unceasing prayer and you're fasting and you're praying, it's just so interesting that, that she doesn't even have an introduction. You know, she busts into the temple <laughs> with Simeon Hill. No one's like, hey, this is baby Jesus. Look, at here. She knows there was a knowing. She was so comfortable inside of all the rooms of the temple that she had a knowing in her heart because she's been following God and listening to God for, you know, eight decades. And I just think that's so incredible about what it is when you have a lifestyle of praise and worship and living in the presence of God that you know, you know where his his, his people are, his blessing is what your calling is, you know, where your steps will take you. And I just love that she just comes upon this baby. She knows it's the Messiah. Nobody says, Hey, look, it's Jesus. Check out. <laughs> she knows she's like, Oh my gosh, it's the Messiah. And just the excitement she has, you know, that again, you're living in the temple of Jesus and his presence. And the whole thing is just, it has created such a joyful heart in her. And I, I just love her whole story that she just, you know, she kind of symbolizes what our Christianity should be in private, that we should, um, what we should kind of model in our private time, the, the fasting, the prayer, just just staying obedient to God, being so spiritually disciplined, um, that all of that is just going to release a joyful heart in us. And I just think it's such a beautiful comfort level she has in the temple, which, you know, we all know now is is our hearts. That's where, where God dwells in us now. And I just think, you know, if, if that's not the goal, I don't know what is, you know, to be so comfortable in his temple that we just, we find him, we know him. And then also, I just want to mention quickly that she was technically the first missionary as well, because it says she went out and told all the saints um, that the Messiah was here. And I just, her story is just so incredible. I love it. Yeah, it's so good. You know, when you were talking, I was thinking of the why it was interesting that the, the word said she was a widow. And I know um, when people lose people, whether you lose them being a widow or via divorce, you know, that God still has a plan. And a lot of times we, we think that our heart now is broken and there's no recovery. And, and when you were talking about her, it just showed where God filled that gap where she had lost husband that you know back in those days that you're covering that your finances that you're everything but god became that in 80 years you know we can't get folks to sometimes you know pray you know the church when you say prayer meeting nobody have most of the folks do not show up you're right more or less someone you know that's the the least attended which is sad to say the least attended events our prayer meeting. I remember with having the healing room, several P Christians would call and say, all you do is pray. <laughs> I was like, all I do is pray. Like, how could you even say that? Like, all you do. I, I said, well, what else are you looking for? For me to like bring down the stars and the moon and, you know, lightning bolts or something. I mean, what do you mean? Is that all you do is pray? And we've really got to change our mindset about the idea of prayer and the power of prayer. And I just can't imagine 80 years. I can't imagine 80 years do, in doing anything. But, <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> uh, but 80 years praying and 
you know, we don't know, but I mean, obviously it's not like she was sitting there knowing that I'm praying for 80 years because I'm going to see Jesus. But she knew that every day that it was going to reap something grand, something wonderful. And God gave her the ability to see his son. Mm -hmm. And so we don't know when we're in prayer and when we're in fasting and, you know, I hear people say, well, I prayed and fast for 30 days. Nothing too much happened. 30 days, <laughs> 30 days, 60 days, a year, whatever. That's not much um, in God's timing. So it's just a good reminder that we've got to remove our thoughts of what should happen because he has something so much grander that can happen with her as that example. And like, wow, to honor her faithfulness, you know, what would God honor in us if we fasted and, and lived a life of praise? It's interesting too, that um, Simeon could not, he was told you will stay until you meet Jesus, you meet the Messiah. And they don't say that about her, but here she is in the temple for 80 years, in her 90s, um, after she's widowed. And so it's, it's just kind of a beautiful foreshadowing that these two people are going to stay and wait for the Messiah. And it is not until he comes that they are released for, to, to go, you know what I mean? So, and that's, story too hey just we're supposed to as soon as we get up with jesus we enter into this whole new um existence in eternity and eternity starts at the moment you tell jesus yes yes i want this i want you and so here's these two people at the very onset of his life who have the actual the god-given purpose of waiting for him to come before they can be released from their purpose and interesting, you know, parallel. Yeah. Awesome. It's awesome. I, I wish we could have known more about, you know, we talk about the Proverbs, you know, 31 woman, I would have liked to have known Anna's routine. <laughs> Can I get a lowdown in 80 years, you know, to know just exactly, you know, what, was a little more detailed would have been awesome yeah well my before person is the very first person first woman who gets a lot of grief um and messages that i've heard in church my whole life but um the lord really gave me some revelation i really think here is the first promise of jesus and my person is eve and I'm going to, if anyone wants to look at this deeper, you could look at Genesis, um, the third chapter. And I'm really going to pinpoint the 15th verse. But if you read the whole chapter, to me, it really gives a, a good flavor for it. So I'm going to give, I, hopefully everyone hearing this may know the story of Adam and Eve and the fruit that was, the forbidden fruit that was eaten. But the point that I wanted to make in regards to this was God's promise. And to me, I see this as the first promise of Jesus in the future. And I do want to just give a, a, little, a little bit beforehand that when God asked, um, was looking for them and they were hidden, the Lord did say to the man, which I always have to point this out, <laughs> <laughs> He did ask Adam what happened. And the thing that I found so key, and I wrote about it in the book, was Adam went to what we normally do. Well, it was this woman you gave me. He didn't go to, I ate and took responsibility. He immediately, it was almost, if you think about it, it was almost blaming God. It was this woman you gave me. He trying to pass the buck on the blame, but that's the part that I kind of find humorous, although we're living out part of that humor. But the thing that I, I do like when God asked Eve, she answered with, she was deceived. To me, you know, she said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. She didn't say, and I ate and I, she, she went right to the point, was brief. 
I did it. And what I like in this instance is that the Lord God said to the serpent, he didn't even say anything to her first. And what I like is when we all have can be deceived, we all can fall short. But when we're honest, it doesn't mean we escape discipline. But God immediately turned to the enemy and judged him, convicted him, gave him the curse. And then he came and while he was telling him his curse, he announced that basically that he would put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And then he says this sentence that to me is the announcement of Christ. He will crush your head. And you know, those are my words when the enemy is trying to rob, steal, and destroy from me. I remind him that I serve Christ and he has crushed and will crush and continues to crush your plans and schemes. And so to me, that line, you know, just to me says, it's Jesus. That's Jesus' line for me. And so for me, although she was disciplined and although they had to toil and, and life is a little different for us women in delivery and labor, but God did respond to her and he did set the record straight of what the future would look like. And to me, that was the announcement of Christ. I really like too that um, in directly um, addressing the enemy and Eve, what God was saying was he was affirming that Eve was the mother of all creation to follow. You know, mm -hmm. He doesn't worry about Adam and, and, and his, he tells her it's the enmity is going to be between you and your own. Right. And so what she, he's saying, he's saying, this is you, this is your purpose for eternity is you're going to be the mother of uh, humanity. And I, I love that because even though it's not, it's all, it's a disparaging thing. It's also an affirmation of what she was created to be and just the role that women have to bring life and bring humanity and the role that we have to um, just invest in people and children and other women, because there's no greater responsibility um, for humanity's sake than what a woman carries. And I also, that's, that's great. And I also agree with you. And I think that's why women, the war between women and the enemy is different than with man. It, it's a, there's a, there's a real hate. And so when you know, that's why the, the whole theme of being a warrior, we have to be a warrior every day. Because every day the enemy is ticked off from the beginning till today because he was defeated at the cross and he knows who was the one that was the bearer of that defeat. A woman, women brought, brought that forth. So to me, it just reminds me of when things are hard and a struggle, I have to remember, you know, the battle, the battle with women and the enemy is even, it's at a different level. It's at an emotional level. It's at a a level of, I shall overcome you. I've overcome you because of Christ. And we have to remind ourselves and remind the enemy why we're overcomers. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Awesome. So we're going to go to the after, after, you know, after the resurrection and Christ has risen and, and talk about what women that you guys felt were key in that moment and so i will start with Frank okay <laughs> mine is kind of a, probably a little bit short and sweet which is good but uh, mary I, i'm just gonna go with my girl mary man his mom she is um after the the resurrection you really don't get any good meat and potatoes with mary um but she's there and she's there for decades after jesus rises and goes into heaven and so i i love her because she um let's face it she is 
the only other person besides Jesus that knows for a fact, undeniably, that he is from God, that he was of a virgin birth, immaculate conception, and all that kind of thing. Everybody else can can trust in that story, but physically, she and Jesus were the only two that actually knew that to be a fact. And so she, and they don't really play up on her before she's all through his ministry she's with him that's why she was at the cross with him and uh so after he dies at the foot of the cross he of course entrusts her care to john and there's all kinds of speculation as to why not because she had other sons she had daughters why would he do that and i say hey because she was there and john was there there were three people there and you know, three Marys and John, and they all had a very intertwined relationship. And I think Jesus knew that John, well, I know he knew that John would be the only one that was going to outlast everybody. So he wanted to entrust his mom uh, to the person apart for that kind of a responsibility. And, you know, they're all family anyway. So uh, afterwards, I really wish that we had more information about her, but because we know that she did travel with John, um, and she, there's even records of her being in Ephesus with John way on into his life and his ministry. So she would have been quite old. Um, but you know, you have to say to yourself, well, she's, she wasn't just tooling around. So she had to have been supporting the ministry still you know she was probably cooking she was probably caring for john for his everyday things that needed to happen while he's out running around preaching and spreading the gospel so i think she maintained this key support role um in in the background and i just think she's the most beautiful example of how we serve our savior he is risen, but there are so many people that are that have the calling to go out and be missionaries, to be apostles, to be uh, leaders of big churches or, or big impactful ministries. And there are so many women that support that and those those ministries and those purposeful lives would not be like they would, you know, the success were it not for the Marys out there. And she was just our first example of you don't have to be a big and famous woman. You just have to continue to walk and follow and serve Jesus with by serving his disciples today. And I just love that about her. There, no fanfare. She's just happy to continue on um, being what she is in the ministry is enough for her. And, um, you know, it's always great to have accolades and people know about you and everything, but the fact that she completely fades into the woodwork after, but yet by historical records, we know she was still there and we know that she was still contributing. So I just love that about her because a lot of women struggle with, uh, the purpose that God has given them, um, that, that it isn't something more grand, that, that it isn't something uh, that, that they feel like is more, more beneficial to the work of, of the church. But I don't believe that. I believe that, you know, for every superstar, you need a hundred Marys for it all to work out. And she's just such a beautiful example of that. Yeah, Mary, for me, apologize for the dog if you guys hear that in the background. But um, Mary, for me, it's like it really tugs at my heart because I can't even imagine, even with her knowing that the angel had told her his history, I, I just can't imagine the pain that of, of the crucifixion. I can't even imagine that being humanly possible without losing your own, without losing your own life, you know, watching and participating in that. And that, that strength and that that that's just you know that had to be that's the holy spirit because there's no way she could have physically god chose her for a purpose and and obviously birthed that within her because he knew who she would be because i i just find it you know they would have found me in a hole depressed somewhere to have seen that and to just know that his whole life even before the cross folks were trying to throw him off a cliff i mean like he had a life that you would think would be like what we think today when people get in ministry oh they'll have a nice house they'll have a great future 
know their struggle ministry is not about the luxury, but it's about the battle. And so for me, there is just a, I, I can't even find the words to describe Mary, you know, it does make me think of women who, you know, today that we see that lose children, not necessarily, you know, whether through violence or whatever, just, you know, my heart goes out to them because I can't even imagine that kind of pain. But what we do know is that God is there to console and to continue giving you a purpose far greater than you can imagine. Yes. So I, um, I take my hats off to anyone that has struggled with a, a loss of a child and God has given them strength to carry on. And I, I hope if there's anyone listening that has experienced that, whether through sickness or through violence or whatever may have been the means that we just send you prayer and love to sustain you um, and to remember what God did through Mary in the end. Yeah. Amen. We stand in agreement with that lifting prayers over here too. Yeah. Well, awesome, Fran. So, Miss D- Miss Miss Lee Ann, who's your person? <laughs> I went with Tabitha, um, also known as Dorcas. Her story is from Acts chapter nine, verses thirty-six to forty-two. She she got a couple more uh, verses in there than Anna, um, and her story is just really interesting. She is the only woman who was resurrected in the New Testament. So, just while we're on the theme of resurrection, I just she just came right into my mind and she is she's noted as a disciple she was very famous in her own for being somebody who was helping the poor and she had taken in all the widows was making them clothes um and her story takes place basically she gets very sick suddenly and dies and then all the widows start praying and start sending people in the temple out to go get peter so peter is about 20 miles away doing ministry in another town so they actually believe that tabitha was dead for three days just like jesus so it's really interesting all the parallels between the two of them Um, Mm -hmm. so peter comes in finds her in the upper room which signifies her wealth and obviously also has plenty of other biblical meaning behind that um he asks you know kindly asks all the widows to leave they're there crying weeping showing them the beautiful garments that she had made for them um, he tells everyone to get out and then he uh, prays over her and he at the end of his prayer says Tabitha wake up rise up he takes her hand she wakes up and it becomes famous throughout the town so it's just a very very interesting story uh, I think you know Anna was kind of again the the, the pre-Jesus resurrected woman but Tabitha she symbolizes what the church looks like after Jesus dies so I think her life gives us a picture of uh, what it looks like to create vibrant community. She was selfless. You know, she devoted her whole life to widows. She has a beautiful life of servitude. She had a passion for housing the community and providing. Um, And on on a personal note, I was just impressed that she was highly esteemed by multitudes of women. I mean, if that's not a feat, (laughs) I don't know what is. But I was really impressed by that, that she just, and not just widows, it was the whole town was rallying behind this woman's death. And and just to think of, you know, just what kind of esteem you have to be in, in a community uh, for that. But I thought she just embodied the example of Jesus so well. I could see that it was obvious she was a feet washer. She was a fisher of women. You know, she kind of signifies for us what the public Christian should look like, how we should be outside of the church, how we should be clothing other people in our love, how they should be changed by our generous and compassionate hearts. Um, But there's just so many interesting things about her. Uh, But I did want to mention that the first thing that stuck out to me when I read about her was Proverbs 31. And I know you and I have laughed about this for forever, but I immediately (laughs) thought of, you know, just some of those key key verses about her extravagant generosity, how she was feeding and clothing the needy that she had health. She had wisdom. She was carrying a nation in her heart. She beautifully knit clothing and she will be praised throughout eternity. And that was my favorite uh, Proverbs 31 reference to tie into Tabitha. I just, 
I think her story is just so absolutely incredible. Again, we don't get all the details, but we really don't need him. I mean, we know so much about her in such a short amount of time that it's just, it's just unbelievable. But I think her heart is just the heart of Jesus for his people. Um, and that's what I, I kind of took from her story. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. That is so true. The correlation. Wow. I, I think the this conversation is, is so like, it's so God because it's so rounded in where we're headed. Um, my person afterwards is Mary Magdalene. Mm. The, the, Mar- the Marys are getting props. <laughs> um, and it's, it's going to be based on Matthew 28. Um, Jesus has risen. And I'm going to read part of that because I just think it's so key and, and it's so perfect for Good Friday. Um, rolling into Resurrection Sunday. And it states, Matthew 28, 1, in the NIV version, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he laid. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. What is so special for me about that, you know, because as we all know, the gospel, women preaching, teaching, and all of these different things has always, you know, historically, been keeping women to the side. And this passage alone says to me, number one, Mary Magdalene, a woman who had demons removed, a woman with a checkered past, as we would say, that how is it that God would have the person who would get the word from heaven first, the ones that were the most faithful, and that they were women and that the Lord allowed his angels presence to be seen. And for him to say, come and see, you know, isn't it just like when the Lord asked to come into your heart, it's that come and see where he laid. Like, I want you to be the one that bears witness and you women go tell the men. That's how I'm reading it. Because the rest were men. I mean, obviously, they were women, too. But for the women women to go and bear the good news of Jesus. And so, to me, that passage alone stricken anybody saying that God can't trust a woman with the word. Because to me, it relates back to Eve. That although um, she gets blamed for the downfall, What did the Lord do? He restores us through the resurrection, through women getting the first word. And so it wasn't, he didn't have the men come and say, okay, man, now you can take back your role. But to me, it was that his word being fulfilled in flesh and for him to say to the women, you go and tell them. Because, you know, back in those days, men didn't exactly follow what women said. And what did they do? They had to come and see what the women said was true for the word to go out into the world. So what I love about the two women, that they got the first word that then went globally and led to us knowing Christ today. Hmm. Yeah, I love that, too. Just speak volumes to the intimacy of their relationship, you know, to be trusted. Mm-hmm. The greatest news report of all time is it's just more than a big deal. It's like a position of honor. You know, she, she just shows us what it's like to have Jesus as the friend, the lover of your soul, just 
there there is no separation between their love and their hearts and I just I love when he says her name she Mm -hmm. guys you know him she thinks he's the gardener doesn't even recognize him until he says her name and it's just like the power in that is to say your name yeah for sure and Fran your oil you know they they thought that oil was too expensive to use on him but look how that oil the investment of that oil paid off (laughs) you have to even remember too that early on in in during the trials and the beatings and stuff and and the walk to the cross man that scent of oil was mixed with the scent of blood and sweat mm-hmm. and fear jesus was human he was afraid right. and uh it's just a beautiful picture of, of the of humanity and yet the medicinal things that god gives us for our healing and our peace and our calm that he it's just always been he's always had provision on every level and it always works together to to you know bring you what you need but i i just adore I just adore how God has been so purposeful in his word to in the middle of things just throw in a powerful story about an Anna or a you know Dorcas Tabitha whatever you want to call her but you know all these the genealogy in Matthew at the beginning peppered with women because uh normally it would not be it would just be simply the men but I think our father knew that you know, in those times, even more so than today, there, that women were going to have to be endorsed by him in order to be taken seriously. And mm-hmm. um, he, he made sure that happened. You know, he right. did. He put it all throughout, even in the Old Testament. You've got these uh, little caveat stories of powerful women making decisions, you know, for God and, and consequently really for Jesus, ultimately for Jesus. And, and God did not bury those stories he didn't keep it you know riding on the lineage of the men which is what happened during that time and in today's world it's still really happening when you really really look at it um Mm -hmm. thank you you know thank you lord thank you for giving us a shout out thank you for giving us a platform from which to claim your promises over us and and our significance in the kingdom because um it's like you say it's a battle every day it's a struggle with the enemy and and without that endorsement from, you know, from God, we, we would be in a world of hurt. And can you imagine the church today if women were not the key? I mean, financially, um, women are key in the church. Serving women are key in the church. It's only, it, it, the church would be a, a sad, sorry state if women were, were not there. Yeah. and not able to support and be in key positions. Can you imagine? Yeah, I agree. I can't imagine. I think the biggest disservice would be for the children. You know, we are right. we are everything for the children. So I think our example, more than anyone's, is is setting, setting the path for our children on what it looks like, you know, in the church serving, but in the home serving as well. And I just think it the, the Mary Magdalene part that, Whatever she sacrificed and whatever she walked away from financially or whatever it was, the Lord satisfied her. Mm. And that sacrifice was paid in a way that we could never even imagine. Um, for I didn't even go further into that, but I'll leave that for those listeners. If you really read that and chapter 29 and really just think about, wow that moment the men ran away from christ but mary was there yeah the cross she went she did the the walk with him she saw the nails she saw every moment and god did not forget her although he blessed what the disciples did that intimacy like you mentioned fran and leanne the intimacy that when i came when i rose who I showed my face to first. That is such a, I'm make, about to make myself emotional, <laughs> but thinking about the sacrifices that you might think you're making to serve God or to live right. It's not a sacrifice for you have a far greater reward than you can ever imagine. So don't let people make you think that you're not living your fullest life because there is a blessing 
that you can't imagine that is ahead of you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Nothing feels like sacrifice when it's for the Lord. You know, he just keeps elevating you higher and higher. And I think that's just what's so beautiful about hers is she just shows us what surrender really looks like, where all you care about is the love and the presence of Jesus. You're just you're, you're so heart devoted that nothing else really matters. You know, you would give up anything precious in this world just to have it at his feet. It's just it's so overwhelming. I'm with you. I better stop now before I like start <laughs> weeping on this. Podcast. <laughs> and, you know, and I, and I want people to understand, you know, sometimes when we, we talk about great people or whatever in the Bible, people will get to, well, that was them. God chose them to have all these special gifts. I'm just lowly me and and I don't have it like that. But you know what? We have the ability to pray, to fast, and to read his word and to challenge ourselves for intimacy with Christ. Because these aren't just stories of great people, but these are stories of people who turned their life over, who made a decision. And I had to make that decision. Fran had to make that decision. Leanne had to make that decision to say one day, that I want to know you far more than I can imagine knowing anyone. And I'm talking about knowing Jesus. And the only way to know him is to seek him, seek him in prayer and meditation and in praise, as we heard today, and seeking him and knowing his promises. Because half of my prayers are restating his promises about me. And you have to know his promises only way you can know them is by reading his word. And when you say those promises and you truly believe it, sometimes people think it's the whole Bible you have to swallow and study and know it for years. You could take a chapter. I could take a sentence. I could take a verse and meditate on that and let the Lord just un, you know, peel me back like the onion and, and allow hurts and woundedness or reasons for me struggling with the intimacy with him to be revealed. And so I want to challenge folks on this resurrection weekend, challenge yourself for intimacy, you know, watching, you know, Jesus Christ superstar or a movie or the passion. That's nice. But having that revelation, having that opportunity to say, God, I want to have the intimacy of an Anna, intimacy of a Mary to sacrifice, an intimacy of the other Mary <laughs> to, to want that kind of connection that I feel you in my daily walk. I want you to know that that is possible. That is not a myth, a dream, or a story. That can be your reality, but you actually have to allow him to enter. He has to come in, come and see for the Lord is good. And I just hope every person listening realizes you have your own special connection, your own special gifts and talents that the Lord has already put within you. It just needs to be activated with your faith and with your will to say, I'm laying down my will, but I am embracing the will of Christ in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. It's a powerful situation that you can put yourself in. And I just uh, wrote something about that. And uh, basically, you know, their salvation is an equal opportunity employer. And so is intimacy with Jesus. There is no one that can stand their way want to be intimate with Jesus if you want to step into that kind of a love and that kind of a devotion um, there's no there are no blocks to that except the ones that you put up yourself and you know, it's an interesting thing about that so um, the whole thing about intimacy with Jesus and, and the love of Christ and everything it, blow you, it just can blow your mind what is out there um, to be had. And, and the one thing I like to tell people is, you know, it's almost like a little tit for tat with Jesus. You will never out love Jesus. I'm sorry. You never will. Mm -hmm. Jesus will always love you a little bit more than you love him. And so if you are constantly pressing into 
loving him and being loved by him, he's going to raise it to the next level every time. That's who he is. Amen. Yeah, I agree too. And I just wanted to point out, it might be the obvious statement here, but you know, the Bible tells us these stories. It gives us these windows into just beautiful, intimate relationships. And all of that is to just show us that it's possible. But for every beautiful relationship written in the Bible, there have been billions more, even more beautiful, even more passionate, not recorded. And I think it's it's strictly for just the motivation of our spirit, refreshing soul to know that these things happened. But how much greater is it that even more beautiful, flourishing, incredible, magnificent things are happening right now with believers and Jesus today? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, I want to, um, we're about to wrap up and I want to thank um, Fran and thank Leanne. And I want them to tell you about, um, they have a Facebook page where they share beautiful, somebody needs a book, but anyway, <laughs> I won't go there, but they share beautiful, encouraging words. So I'll let whoever, whichever one of them wants to share their um, Facebook page um, information with you so that you could connect and read some of their weekly writings that will really bless your soul. Oh, thank you for the shout out. We appreciate the support from our sisters. Um, yeah, it is. It's called Pearls and Presents. Um, it's a page my mom started a couple years ago with some women in her church. Um, but honestly, it just was started as a channel to let the Holy Spirit invade social media. And that has been just the intent behind it. So it's it's honestly become a flourishing, beautiful, thriving community of women we've known and loved in churches all around the world. So we, like you said, we post a, an article every week, just something we, we pray is really thought provoking, all Holy Spirit filled, led driven. Um, and it's just, it's just been a really cool ministry for my mom and I, we've just seen how God has advanced it and blessed it. And we just, we're just giving him all the, the glory, honor and praise. Every time we sit at our computers and surrender our fingers to our keyboards, we just, we praise him for what comes out of it. So thank you for mentioning that, Lisa. Yeah. Now it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. It needs to be like a book of po Christian poetry or something. Well, we are we are working on uh, like a mother daughter devotional and with the same type of writings and maybe some of the ones we've done expanded because um, we've gotten so much feedback to do that. <laughs> so um, mm -hmm. go ahead and knuckle down and put put our our rhinestone on that one this summer i think but in the meantime you know it's just you write so you know lisa it writing can be taxing yes <laughs> yes really and if if you're living the normal life you have so many other things that that you could do or should do instead but you know god right. has really been hearts that this is what he has for us this season that he want he put the writing ability and the heart to write into each of us and we want to honor him for doing that um but if you want to visit us um it's pearls and presents but you got to use the little ampersand sign because there is another pearls and presents out there that is a private group but anyway this one is public so uh you should be able to find it and if you can't friend friend request me fran mora or leanne witt zigman and we would be happy to uh navigate you there because we really would love to um be in you know in fellowship with all you guys and uh be able to bless you and be blessed by whatever comment or um you know whatever whatever god lays on your heart to share also well awesome well i want to thank and you both know i love you much <laughs> and um i want to share with the listeners and with everyone to have such an awesome resurrection weekend mm -hmm. and to really take to heart what the Lord has in store. Hey, there's always a reason to be renewed, refreshed, and to start again. He tells us to do it every day, but what a special weekend to do that. And many people accept Christ this weekend because of tradition. And then a month later, they go back. And maybe it's that this Easter Sunday, if you go to church or part of a service and you make and you say those words that this that this year, after everything we've been through in the last year, I would hope that it's even driven home that it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter where you live. 
you know, life is precious and it can be gone in an instant, but to decide that I'm going to live a life with Christ because so many young people, I was on a conference call yesterday with um, college students and folks are looking for hope and looking for a way to deal with the stressors of the world and they don't have God and they're hungry. So if you're listening to this podcast, the Lord led you here because you're hungry and you're in need of more of him. We're great friends of the Lord, but he is the only one that can bring that change in your life. So I want by the sound of my voice and our voices that every person be blessed, your family be covered by the blood of Jesus, that you walk in boldness and you walk in faith and you walk in truth. And I just want to thank you for your time this holiday weekend with us because we surely are sending you our love and blessings from the Lord. So we're going to end this and say be blessed. And thank you, ladies, again. And they will be back. If I have to to drag them, which I know I won't, they'll be back. And we'll have another conversation about how important we are in the word and in this world. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Love you. Thank you. Bye-bye.